On this day in 1863, Idaho became the 43rd member of the United States of America, a fact that may not have residence, but could be the most important piece of information you will hear today. This is doubtful, but we are only at the very beginning of this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a program that contains between two and 202 facts per newsletter or podcast. Actual amounts may vary by consumer. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, a site plan review will be held tomorrow for a large condominium complex on land in Belmont that's been used for automotive repair. It's the 68th anniversary of the Brown vs. Board of Education ruling, and the R.R. Moton School in Farmville is now an officially designated historic site. Albemarle County's Climate Action Coordinator talks climate action with the Crozet Community Advisory Committee. Albemarle supervisors are to vote on a resolution to allow reintroduction of a freshwater mollusk into area rivers, and time is running out to inform surveys for climate action planning in Charlottesville. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, the Charlottesville Jazz Society is spotlighting a benefit event to support the people of Ukraine, held at the Whiskey Jar this Wednesday from 6.30 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. Young jazz students near the besieged city of Mariupol sent guitarist Royce Campbell a plea for help and several area musicians have jumped in to help. Vocalist Monica Wirth has organized the event, and Campbell will play for Ukraine with bassist Andre Lavelle and drummer Jim Howe. Many of Charlottesville's best jazz musicians will sit in. Donations will be collected on site and sent to Global Giving's Ukraine Crisis Relief Fund, and you can also go ahead and support this effort with a payment online. That's We Play for Ukraine at the Whiskey Jar this Wednesday from 6.30 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. The city of Charlottesville is working on a climate action plan to guide decisions on funding and resources for efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions in the community. Charlottesville and Albemarle County both have agreed to meet certain reduction targets by 2030 and to be carbon-free by 2050. A pair of surveys has been live since April 20th, but the deadline to participate is coming up this Friday. The first seeks input on how you think greenhouse gas emissions should be reduced, and there have been over 160 responses so far. The second wants your thoughts on what issues are faced by vulnerable populations when it comes to the top three climate hazards identified by staff. They are extreme heat, increased intensity of precipitation and flooding, and changing seasonal conditions. The survey is five pages long. To learn more, there are five climate action fact sheets on the city's website. As Charlottesville continues to change under the impact of a new comprehensive plan that encourages more residential density, there are still some examples of projects that could be built now to higher density under existing zoning. 
One such example comes up tomorrow at a site plan review conference that will be held virtually at 10 a.m. by the city's Neighborhood Development Services Department. An entity with the name Belmont and Carlton Holdings LLC owns 16 parcels in the area, with one of them being a 2.58-acre parcel purchased in February 2006, upon which an automotive repair use has been on the property for many years. All of the land is zoned Neighborhood Commercial Center, which is the reason there are commercial uses in what some refer to as Downtown Belmont. Now, the entity Belmont and Carlton Holdings seeks to develop a portion of nearly 6.2 acres of their property, and they need a critical slopes waiver to do it. Here's a section from the supplement for the site plan review related to the critical slopes waiver. The applicant is looking to construct 118 multifamily condominiums and 12 single-family attached townhouses. The site includes existing city right-of-way that will be improved with the project for the development of the street grid and proposed neighborhood. As part of the development, the applicant is seeking to designate eight of the units as affordable and argue that is why the slopes waiver should be granted. Of the total site, 14.31% are defined as critical slopes. To mitigate the impact, the applicant will build a stormwater management facility to reduce the impact to the watershed. This takes place tomorrow at 10 o'clock a.m. on a virtual screen near you. Today marks the 68th anniversary of the ruling in the Brown v. Board of Education Supreme Court case, which struck down the legal doctrine of separate but equal that sanctioned and required schools to be segregated. This anniversary marks the first time the U.S. Park Service has extended official recognition to other sites in other communities across the country that played a role in the Brown versus the Board education ruling. One of them is Farmville, where students at the R.R. Moton High School walked out on April 23, 1951 to protest inferior conditions and a pattern of being denied funds for improvements. A month later, a lawsuit was filed by NAACP lawyers Spotswood Robinson and Oliver Hill, and the case Davis v. County School Board was consolidated with four other cases on appeal to the Supreme Court. To learn more about the ruling and how the ruling eventually led to the five-year closing of all public schools in Prince Edward County, visit the R.R. Moton Museum's website or its Facebook page. Last week, President Joe Biden signed into law the Brown v. Board of Education National Historic Park Expansion and Redesignation Act, which officially designates the R.R. Moton Museum as a national historic site. You can learn more in a press release on the R.R. Moton website. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for today's second subscriber-supported public service announcement which goes out to Camp Albemarle, which has for 60 years been a wholesome, rural, rustic, and restful site for youth activities, church groups, civic events, and occasional private programs. Located on 14 acres on the banks of the Mormons River near Free Union, Camp Albemarle continues as a legacy of being a civilian conservation corps project that sought to promote the importance of rural activities. Camp Albemarle seeks support for a plan to winterize the Hamner Lodge, a structure built in 1941 by the CCC and used by every 4th and 5th grade student in Charlottesville and Albemarle for the study of ecology for over 20 years. 
If this campaign is successful, Camp Albemarle could operate year-round. Consider your support by visiting CampAlbemarleVA.org slash donate. Two segments today, both ecological and climate-related. The Virginia Department of Wildlife Resources is working on a plan to restore an endangered freshwater mollusk back into the James River watershed from which it had perished. On Wednesday, the Albemarle Board of Supervisors will vote on a resolution on the consent agenda, which will give their support to efforts to introduce the James spiny mussel into the Rivanna River as well as the James River. Here's a section from the staff report. Existing JSM populations have been augmented in six streams in Amherst, Bath, Buckingham, Botetourt, and Nelson counties. But to truly recover this endangered species, the mussel also needs to be introduced to water bodies from which it has been lost. According to a staff report, there are over 300 species of freshwater mussels, and many of them are located in the southeastern United States. They provide filtering of water, with each individual able to process as many as 12 gallons in a single day. The United States Fish and Wildlife Service and the Virginia Department of Wildlife Resources have been working on a recovery plan for decades and have raised James Spiny Mussel at the Virginia Fisheries and Aquatic Wildlife Center at the Harrison Lake National Hatchery. The species has been on the federal endangered list since July 22, 1988. The sighting of the James Spiny Mussel has been enough in the past to stop infrastructure projects in the area. At one point, the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority was considering a reservoir in northwestern Albemarle County to be known as Bucks Mountain Reservoir, but the potential presence of the James Spiny Mussel eliminated that from further consideration. And finally today, the Albemarle Board of Supervisors adopted a climate action plan in October of 2020 to help guide the county's efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 45% of a baseline by the year 2030. That's the first step before a second goal to be carbon neutral by 2050, and the baseline is derived from the year 2008. Climate Program Coordinator Gabe Daly began his journey through the county advisory panels by asking the Crozet Community Advisory Committee what their first thoughts are when thinking about climate action and what he might have as an update. Here is Supervisor Ann Malik. I'll jump in because I hope that I will hear some real substantive things we're going to do, not just talk about it. Another CAC member said he's noticed temperature changes over the decades, Costas Alibertis has been in Crozet since the 1980s. Truly, in the wintertime, we used to be a lot cooler than Charlottesville, and now our temperature seems to be more comparable to Charlottesville. And I think some of the growth has taken away some of the, the coverage, the greenery and the grass, and that's led to the community being a little bit warmer. Maybe I'm completely wrong about that. But, um, you know, how do we attempt to address what we've lost? There are some new members of the Crozet CAC, and this was the first for Mallory DeCoster. I feel excited that this is a topic. For, this is my first meeting, and I joined this group because I care about the environmental issues, particularly uh, in, this, in this county. And so I am really interested to hear what you have to say. Another new member is local realtor Jim Duncan, who said more needs to be done about getting infrastructure built to get people out of their cars. 
climate change is, is a is a real legitimate thing, but I don't know what the viable action items are that the CCAC can voice our opinion on. The Climate Action Plan was adopted prior to the review of the Albemarle Comprehensive Plan, which is currently underway. Daly said the overarching comprehensive plan that will be adopted will be influenced by the Climate Action Plan, as well as efforts to include equity as a major consideration for all future county decisions. He also said there's a lot of work to be done on climate. Climate change is big and can feel overwhelming. And, you know, I think sometimes in kind of professional spaces, policy spaces, local government, state government, you know, uh, science, um, we can sometimes kind of shy away from, you know, the that side of things. Um, but the, the number two point is uh, there's research showing that that actually just kind of like acknowledging, you know, our, our reaction, whatever it might be to climate change can actually help us move toward effective action. Daly said everyone can take actions to be part of the solutions to meet community targets. Daly said CACs can play a role in communicating back to the public what the county and its partners are doing. There are four themes to Albemarle's Climate Action Plan that mirror the county's adopted missions and values. Through our efforts to address global climate change, um, we also want to attend to uh, our you know, local health of people and place here. Um, benefiting the local economy uh, through our climate action, also the local environment, um, thinking about some of our intersecting county priorities like clean water and biodiversity, and then making sure that the work that we do has um, and the the services that we offer to folks are um, equitable and inclusive in uh, how they involve people in the community and, and bring benefits. The plan itself has 135 action areas to reduce emissions for each of the sources, including transportation, land use, building energy use, sustainable materials, renewable energy sources, agricultural and natural resources, and more. The most recent inventory of greenhouse gas emissions dates back to 2018, and another one is underway now that will give a glimpse into 2020. In September, the Board of Supervisors was told that more work needs to be done to meet the 2030 targets. Daly said for the county, climate action means things like transitioning to an electric fleet and continuing to make county buildings more efficient. We're also looking at how the county uh, manages landscapes um, that it owns. So that includes like parks and natural areas, um, as well as uh, school grounds. And then uh, we're soon going to be starting to look also at our own uh, procurement and uh, the sustainability of, of, you know, the materials that we procure, like plastics um, and paper and things like that. A second phase for the Climate Action Plan will be on adaptation and mitigation and to prepare for impacts. The results of a climate vulnerability and risk assessment will be available for review in the coming months. As Albemarle reviews its comprehensive plan and the growth management policy, Daly said one idea is to continue to build places to live that are more dense to support public transportation. Study and analysis by county staff demonstrates the role that conservation of existing ecological resources can play. They found that our forests are helping us quite a lot. Um, They're sequestering, drawing down carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, um, almost a million uh, carbon dioxide tons, metric tons equivalent per year. I'll have more from other CAC presentations on climate action in future installments of Charlottesville Community Engagement. 
At publication time, there are 12 views of the Crozet CAC meeting on YouTube. Can we make that 24 in 24 hours' time? Let's do it! But that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for May 17th, 2022. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're interested in these climate issues, please send it on to other people. There's a lot of conversations happening. And the goal of this program is to try to bring as many of the connections as possible together in one place. So you can learn things and share with people and then When you learn things from other people, you can share it with me and maybe we can have a better conversation about how to solve the problems that face us as a society. I'm Sean Tubbs and the whole point of this Town Crier Productions experiment is to do exactly just that. And of course, one way you can support that is through a contribution through Substack, a Substack subscription, either at $5 a month, $50 a year, $200 a year. Well, the company Ting, they will match that initial amount which is great, and it helps keep this program going, hopefully well into the future. I'm not sure which episode this one is, but I have done quite a few of them. And of course, you can read all of the results of this as each segment is cut and paste into Information Charlottesville, another Town Crier Productions production. I'm Sean Tubbs. In the meantime, before the next issue, stay uh, away from the pollen, and of course, stay uh, excited about... um, Uh, Whatever it is that excites you. Maybe you're not excited today, so just stay that way. It's all good. I'm Sean Tubbs. Again, thank you very much for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye.